Switch to Sprint Unlimited Basic, featuring TV from Hulu and 500 megabytes of mobile hotspot. Plus, for a limited time, get five lines for only $120 per month. Hurry to a Sprint store or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Offer ends 8-16-18 after 131-2020. Pay $32 per month per line for five lines without a pay. One Hulu limited commercial plan for eligible Sprint account. MHS reduced to 3G speeds after 500 megabytes per month. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines. Subject to credit and 3 activation fee. Video streams up to 480p. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami... Hello everybody and welcome to Fix Sider Radio. It is officially the 2018 Miami Dolphins offseason and I'm joined tonight and each and every time by Houts... And Sutton, the creepy soccer dad, and Houts, I was going to give you a nickname, and I couldn't figure out which one I was going to use tonight. So we're going to go with, again, Houtsua, because I kind of like that one, and we're just going to go with it. So we got Houtsua on one hand, I got Sutton, the creepy soccer dad, on the other hand, Sutton. I don't think that nickname's ever, ever going to leave your side. It will be on with you for the eternity of time, and as long as Finsider Radio is on the air and continues our trend of upwards of 7 to 10 listeners per week, I think we're in a good position with SB Nation. Anyways, this week's edition of Finsider Radio is going to solely focus on one man and one man only. And no, that is not Adam Gase. No, that is not Dowell Logans or Logans or Logans or whoever you say his name. We'll find out shortly. It is not going to focus on Matt Burke. It is not going to focus on Clyde Christensen. It is not going to focus on Jarvis Lantry. And it is not going to focus on Kenyon Drake. Instead, it is going to focus on our most beloved quarterback, In Miami Dolphins history, no, not Dan Marino, but yes, Ryan Tannehill, one of the most polarizing figures in Dolphins history in terms of what side of the fence are you on with Ryan Tannehill? It always seems, house and sign, that there is no medium with this guy. It is either you are completely for him or you're completely against him. There's very few fans, maybe 3 to 5%, and yes, I'm just picking that number out of thin air, but maybe 3 to 5% of fans who sit right on that line in the middle with Ryan Tannehill, who who knows that he's not going to be an elite quarterback like Joel Flacco is. And they know, and I say that in jest, and they know he's not going to be as bad as everyone's making him seem to be. For me, I'm obviously more of a realist, more of an optimist. I'm right on that middle line, though. I know Ryan Tannehill will never be an elite quarterback. You don't just come into one. I mean, how many quarterbacks in the NFL have you seen grow into being elite. You could look at someone like Alex Smith and say he was elite, but was he really elite this year? I don't think so. He was elite for four games, four to six games, but he wasn't elite throughout the entire season. And you got to have that consistency to be considered elite. Drew Brees. Yes. That is a different situation. Goes from San Diego to New Orleans and it revives his career and becomes one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. But I know Ryan Tannehill is not going to be elite. And I also know that Ryan Tannehill is not as bad as some people make him out to be. I think Ryan Tannehill can be a little more than a game manager. But besides that, yes, he can be a good quarterback. But he will never be, in my opinion, at the very top of that level, at the very top of the game. But when you look around the NFL, how many elite quarterbacks really are there? You can look at someone like Tom Brady. You can look at somebody like Aaron Rodgers. You can look at somebody like Ben Roethlisberger. You can look at somebody like Andrew Luck when he was healthy. Carson Wentz right now, although this is one year, so we need to kind of pump our brakes on that one. 
You could maybe make the case for Kirk Cousins, although I would not. Jared Goff, one year in. Let's see what he does year two and three. Russell Wilson, elite quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, six games. Pump the brakes. Let's see what he does next year. And then you go down the list. You could maybe argue Cam Newton and Matt Ryan, but even I wouldn't argue them. And then you look at other teams who have won Super Bowls and, and who have advanced deep into the playoffs. They don't always have an elite quarterback. So the notion that the Dolphins need an elite quarterback to get to the next level is completely false. They just need a very good quarterback. And in my opinion, and we'll talk about this more as the show goes on, I think Ryan Tannehill could be that good quarterback. And House will kick this off right with you. Do you are you in agreement with me that Ryan Tannehill could become a very good quarterback, or do you think he already is a very good quarterback? Well, I agree with everything you said. You touched on who the elite quarterbacks are in this league, and I think we can all agree on that. But for me, I think it's still up in the air on what Ryan Tannehill can become. I mean, we've seen these mediocre seasons or average seasons with guys like Joe Philbin. And then in his first year with Adam Gase, it kind of looked like he was taking the, the next step forward. I mean, is an elite quarterback? I, I absolutely don't think he is right now. But I think you may have said that he could not become an elite quarterback. And he touched on Joe Flacco, who we all know is not an elite quarterback. He is a subpar quarterback who managed to win a Super Bowl like uh, Trent Dilfer did with the Ravens. Uh, I would say Ryan Tannehill. Uh, what we saw under Adam Gase, I think he's a better quarterback than Joe Flacco. And I think when at the end of the day, with the weapons around Ryan Tannehill, and if he comes back from this injury, I do not see any reason why he can't be in that same list of names, such as the Kirk Cousins and the uh, Russell Wilsons and the Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think has been having a hell of a season. Uh, for me, I think Ryan Tannehill, he's already proved to be a very good quarterback when he can stay healthy. I, again, touch on that Joe Philbin thing. I mean, he was hindered by him, poor offensive coordinators, poor supporting cast around him. He has never had a good offensive line. When he finally had a good run game in JHI, I mean, he, he seemed to take that next step. And, I mean, for us as fans, we want to sit here and we want to – you got those guys who praise him and those guys who hate Ryan Tannehill. For me, this is the best quarterback this franchise has had since Dan Marino. I don't care about the – the guys that came before him, like Greasy, who, I, I mean, I wasn't alive back then, but I see him with those sweet little glasses, and he looks like Horace Grant. I mean, you got that Brian Greasy, but I think uh, I think Ryan Tannehill is one of the better quarterbacks that we've had in years. And for, for us to sit here and, you know, we, we want to improve the position, we want to continue to get better. I think what we've seen in Ryan Tannehill in his first year with Adam Gase, I mean, we know he's been hindered by that injury, but – I think it's very promising in the future, and I think there's no reason why he can't become one of those top 10 quarterbacks that we see around the NFL. So I think the one word that we often talk about with Ryan Tannehill, it's not the arm talent. We know he has arm talent. He can throw the ball down the field. He can make the sideline throws on a rope. He can throw in the middle of the field. He can do all these things. It's always about consistency with him, and I think that's the real barometer between the very good quarterbacks and the elite quarterbacks is elite quarterbacks can reproduce at a higher rate than the very good quarterbacks. And I think Tannehill sits at that 10 to 15 range right outside uh, elite quarterbacks. But here's the thing that we have to think about with elite quarterbacks is say you have six to eight of them in the NFL. 
And there's a good chance that a majority of those elite quarterbacks are going to have their teams in the playoffs. Well, those elite quarterbacks are going against other elite quarterbacks. So at the end of the day, it's not always about quarterback play. I know it's the most popular position, but you really have to consider what I would say maybe a triangle of quarterback play, a running game, and defense, and just to boil it down as simply as possible. And even very good quarterback play, you have to have elite defense and elite running game to uh, make noise in the NFL playoffs. So even if we have an elite quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, do we have the other pieces in place for our team to make noise? Because eventually in the playoffs, there's going to be a game where you're going against an elite quarterback. Are you able, are you going to be able to get stops against that guy and vice versa? We're going to be going against elite defenses as a Ryan Tannehill led offense going to be able to move the ball against an elite defense and win a game in the playoffs. Unfortunately, we do not have that data because we haven't seen Ryan Tannehill play in a playoff game. I think that's the real frustrating thing for Dolphins fans seen we, we we don't have a litmus test for what he can do in a clutch situation now we've seen him play in week 16 week 17 uh, get into the playoffs type scenarios and stuff but that doesn't measure at all to what it's like to be a one and done in the playoffs sort of thing so I would be very eager to see how he responds to being in a playoff game and if he can put the team on his back for a game and win a game now we've seen him light up the box score before and stuff like that. Has there been a game where Ryan Tannehill really just put everybody on his, on his back and willed his team to victory? Yeah, it has had a few times, but I think we'd like to see it a little bit more, and I think we'd have a little bit more confidence because, again, that would show us consistency, and that's the one thing with Tannehill is we just do not have the consistent production. So you mentioned we don't have the data to, to show us, you know, some comparisons with Ryan Tannehill and what really he's done in the NFL and with the Miami Dolphins with his time. However, when you look at Ryan Tannehill versus Jay Cutler and in the uh, season-ending press conference that Adam Gase, Chris Gurr, and Mike Tannenbaum held on Wednesday afternoon, Adam Gase admitted that he was a little frustrated that the offense didn't click as fast as he thought it would with Jay Cutler, who knew the system coming in. You know, Gase thought that it would come together pretty quickly. It did not, and Gase admitted it lingered throughout the entire season, and uh, as a result, 6-10. and 10. You look at Jay Culler this year, and stats we all know don't tell the entire story. Jay Culler played 14 games. He completed 266 of 429 for 62 com- uh, completions percentage, 2,666 yards, 19 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, the number of yards per attempt was 6.2 yards per completion was 10 sacked 20 times an overall quarterback rating, a QBR of 43, a overall quarterback rating was 80.8. You look at Ryan Tannehill in 2016 played 13 games completed 261 for 389, 67.1 completion percentage compared to Cutler's 62. 29.95 yards compared to Cutler's 26.66. This is with Tannehill playing one less game. Ryan Tannehill in one less game through 19 touchdowns. 
Ryan Tannehill had one less game through 12 interceptions compared to Jay Cutler's 14. Ryan Tannehill's yard per attempt was 7.7 compared to Cutler's 6.2. That's a pretty big difference, although you look at it as 1.5 points in terms of percentage points. It is a big difference when you're talking about the football field. Yards per completion, same thing. 11.5 for Tannehill compared to 10.0 for Jay Cutler. Sacked 29 times compared to Jay Cutler's 20 times. And yes, we all know it's one of the things we said when Jay Cutler was brought in that Jay Cutler has much better pocket presence than Ryan Tannehill does. And with the sacks there, that kind of shows it. Ryan Tannehill QBR of 54.6 compared to Cutler's 43. An overall quarterback rating of 93.5 compared to Jay Cutler's 80.8. Now those stats pretty much tell a defining story, Sutton, in terms of what we had in Jay Cutler and what we had in Ryan Tannehill. This is safe to say that Dolphins fans everywhere and the Dolphins coaching staff is glad to be getting Ryan Tannehill back in 2018. Absolutely. You heard what they said before the season that he was going to have a monster year. And man, that's why it was just so soul crushing for Dolphins fans when he went down was because of the hype behind the offense. You know, you finally had some pieces in place, you know, coming into the off season, or sorry, in the training camp, you had Jay Ajayi and Kenyon Drake. You had Jakeem Grant and Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker. And then you have Tannehill lead him in the second year in Adam Gase's offense. You really saw him start to master things as the year went on in 2016. And, man, we were licking our chops coming into this year. So that, that injury was devastating. My, my concern, and not to say it's justified or anything, but my concern is, you know, Tannehill's moxie in the, in the pocket, and namely with the rollouts and bootlegs and being able to throw on the run, that's my one concern with the knee, and I just want to make range of motion and his mobility back because that way the playbook stays fairly wide open for us, and Tannehill will be able to do anything. If the bootlegs and rollouts are a little bit limited, if the, the – I mean, think about some of the run-pass options – that, you know, that's so popular in college now, but we've, we've seen some of that, the zone read plays incorporated into the offense. And with Kenyon Drake now, who's used to that kind of system, you have Jakeem Grant in there. It would be nice to still have that as, as part of the package. Not, not to say we want Tannehill running it all the time off of an ACL injury, but again, it's about what's available in the playbook and what do defenses have to prepare for. And we want them to have to prepare for the whole litany of what we're capable of. So I think just generally speaking, Jay Cutler limited the playbook and Ryan Tannehill is going to expand it. Now, obviously there've been some issues apparently with people taking the homework home and stuff like that. So it remains to be seen if we can handle an expanded playbook. But again, it's about possibilities and potential and chess pieces. And Ryan Tannehill allows more chess to happen than checkers. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and you said earlier um, about how the Dolphins, they kind of saw this as a, another breakout year for Tannehill. Everyone was kind of excited about him. It's similar to the way that, uh, you know, we all thought Devontae Parker was going to break out this year. Obviously, that didn't happen for one reason or not. But I mean, you had to feel that Ryan Tannehill was ready to take that next step in Adam Gase's offense year two, and you touched on a lot, son. I mean, mobility, that's a huge thing with Ryan Tannehill. I'm not quite sure that Adam Gase even knew what he had in Tannehill when he first got here. 
you saw some of that read option. You saw him rollouts and bootlegs and different types of things where he got him in space and he was able to make defenders miss. And I mean, Ryan Tannehill, he's a hell of a quarterback on the run. He's he's a hell of a guy when he does that play action fake and and rolls out. But I mean, when you have that read option, he, he's a legit playmaker when that football's in his hands. And I mean, you hate to see it, but the ACL injury that's definitely going to hinder hinder that. And you just hope that he can bounce back because. At the end of the day, Adam Gase's offense opens up a lot when you have that that option with Ryan Tannehill to run the football. You got him sitting there. He's, he's running that play action with whether it's Shaquem Grant or uh, Kenyon Drake or Jarvis Landry, whatever it may be. I mean, you have that read option play there. You could throw the screen to Landry on the outside, assuming they re-sign him. There's just so many different options that he opens up in the in the passing game and the run game. And like you said, Jay Cutler, he just wasn't the same kind of player. So at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to whether or not Ryan Tannehill heals properly. I mean, you see him, he's running up steps. He's just doing everything. Dude seems superhuman, like freaking Superman out there. But at the end of the day, once that contact comes into play, if Ryan Tannehill is the same guy he was before the injury, you hope to see Adam Gase open up that offense a little bit more and give him more of those read option plays that we saw and some of that play action because that's when Ryan Tannehill is at his best. I know you and Wingfield, you guys showed off some of them gifts throughout the week. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, he's a hell of a player right, with that play-action pass. And when you got a guy like Kenyon Drake out there, as much as like Jai he kind of opens up that game. He's a great p- pass blocker. He does well in the passing game. I mean, this offense has all the potential in the world. As long as this offensive line can hold up, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, uh, I'm excited to see what he can do next season if he's healthy because you said it best. Mobility's there. It, he has all the – intangibles to become one of those top 10 quarterbacks it's just all going to come down to whether or not he's healthy and whether or not this offense can get going because if it does I think this team's gonna be more like the team we saw last year unless like that six and ten we saw this year with Jay Cutler at the helm. Houts you made some interesting remarks in there about Tannehill being his best at play action Tannehill not being the guy that many people assume that he is Tannehill you know, having that ACL injury and the Dolphins admitting today in their press conference and Dolphins admitting Wednesday during their press conference that they look at it as him having two injuries. You know, he rehabbed the knee. They took advice from a professional, whoever it may have been. They took the advice of that professional and they didn't get surgery the first time. Re-injured the, the ACL, tore it again, and got the surgery. So they're looking at it as two injuries, which is not good for Tannehill. Um, not good for anybody. Not good, especially for a 30-year-old quarterback who still has yet in quotes, and I'm doing the air quotes right now, to take that next step. You also mentioned that uh, Sutton was throwing about a bunch of gifts this week on Twitter. Sutton, in your tape review of Tannehill, and I know you love love to review tape. You are a film guru. What have you seen (laughs) in, in your review of tape about Ryan Tannehill? You see wow plays, and you see a few head scratchers, and you like all the physical attributes, like how was saying, you know, he's, he's tall, he's fast, he's good in space, you know, and he, his pocket presence has gotten better, I think. He, he can throw from different angles, so when we're talking about arm talent, we're, we can talk about being able to release the ball from different points and being able to throw off one foot, being able to throw going left to right and right to left. So those are all important attributes because not everything is a clean seven-step drop in the NFL. You're going to have to move the pocket sometimes. So Tannehill is one of the better NFL quarterbacks 
throwing outside of the pocket, in my opinion. Again, the play-action game is impeccable. And I, I think he's able to do that because he's had some speed receivers that he's been able to connect with and noticed a lot of connection with Kenny Stills on the long ball. So we still have the pieces in place to keep that core play action, you know, those, those core principles that helped us move the ball in 2016. We still have those same things uh, going into 2018. It's really, again, going to depend on that knee and if the range of motion is still all there. We've talked ad nauseum on Twitter and on message boards and on articles about things that Ryan Tannehill can and can't do. And this show is really not about, you know, figuring all that out and rehashing all of that. It's more of the big picture look in terms of what can the Dolphins do with Ryan Tannehill and what does their future look like with or without Ryan Tannehill. And again, it is a very polarizing topic. You are very hard-pressed to find a lot of fans who can be even-keeled and be right in that middle line there. But it is what it is, and that is why we are addressing this with an entire show dedicated to Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill in 2018, who Adam Gay said is the starter, will be scheduled to make $19.8 million. Ryan Tannehill is not getting cut in 2018. Will he get traded? Maybe. Talk about that in a little bit. In 2019, he's scheduled to make $21.5 million, but get this. You cut Ryan Tannehill, there's $2.3 million in dead money only. You get in cap savings of $18.7 million. Huge incentive to part ways with Ryan Tannehill. Get this, 2020, say he has a good season this year, takes Miami back to the playoffs, falls off the cliff in 2020, has another injury, let's say, scheduled to make $19.5 million. You cut him, $0 in dead money. That full $19.5 million going back to the cap. His contract expires after the 2020 season. So let's shift into this now. His contract expires at, after the 2020 season. You got 2018. You got 2019. You got 2020. That's three years. Do we think or will we know if Ryan Tannehill – is going to take that next step in three years. Maybe, maybe not. But you got to make a decision on this guy. Remember, with the way this market is going for quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins is going to get a ginormous contract in just a few months, two months from now or so. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get a ginormous contract probably right under Kirk Cousins. Maybe more. Matthew Stafford just got a huge contract, highest played player in NFL history. Ryan Tannehill at the end of the 2020 season, if that's your guy, he's going to cost a ton of money. Established starter in the league, established veteran, going on his third contract. He's going to cost a ton of money. So the Dolphins need to absolutely know if he is the guy at the end of the 2020 season. And how can they protect themselves with this? And that's where this comes in. In my opinion, the Miami Dolphins should draft a quarterback in the first two days of the draft. Now you can sit here and say, oh, Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round. Oh, Dak Prescott was drafted in the fourth round. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. But those are the exceptions to the rule. You draft anybody, whether it's a quarterback, defensive player, offensive player, nine times out of 10, eight times out of 10, 
These guys are project players, and very rarely do you see them starting their first year. Very rarely do you see them making a huge impact in their first two years. Again, there's some exceptions to the rule. But for the most part, those third-day players are guys that the teams are not expecting to step right in and contribute. You get a guy on day number one, you're expecting him to contribute from day one. You get a guy on day two, you're expecting them to compete and compete truthfully and honestly for a starting spot. So for me, you draft a quarterback that high, that's showing that you have a commitment to that quarterback. And yes, if there's a quarterback at number 11 who the Dolphins feel comfortable with, and for me, that's a guy, someone like Baker Mayfield, who I love, you draft that quarterback at 11. Now, let's say Roquan Smith is on the board at 11, right? That makes things very tough. Then you start weighing. Well, you draft Roquan Smith, and he's an immediate starter right there for you in the middle. Move Raquan McMillan to the outside or vice versa. Put in Stefan Anthony. Get rid of Kiko, maybe. Put him on the bench. Or do you get a guy like Baker Mayfield, who may drop to 11 due to character concerns and due to him being only six feet tall? Do you do that? And, you know, that that's a huge question for me. I mean, I'm sitting here right now and I'm struggling. I'm getting a little anxiety just thinking about it, you know, because it's very hard to say, no, I'm not going to draft Roquan Smith. I'm not going to draft an immediate starter. Instead, I'm going to draft our future. And it becomes even tougher if the Dolphins have Baker Mayfield rated above Roquan Smith, but Roquan Smith may be rated one point lower than Baker Mayfield. And then you start trying to tell yourself, oh, there's another quarterback in the draft that can make it happen. That's why Tony Sperano and Bill Parcells and Jeff Ireland went with Chad Henney and Jake Long in the first round instead of going Matt Ryan. They thought Chad Henney could be just as good as all the other quarterbacks that went in that draft before him. Obviously, that didn't work out. But for me, I'm drafting Baker Mayfield at 11, even if Roquan Smith is on the board. Because if Ryan Tannehill goes down again, if Ryan Tannehill struggles, the Miami Dolphins need to learn their lesson from this year. In no circumstance should they ever find themselves in this position they were in this year where your season is done before it even started. How's your thoughts on something with that scenario? Yeah, you had a bunch of great points there. I mean, first, let's just touch on that Tannehill contract. Whoever drew that up, I don't remember if it was Donna Ponte or Mike Tannenbaum. They did a hell of a job with that. I mean, this team, they have outs after this year, and and you just got to give credit where credit is due. But ultimately what it comes down to is what do we have in Ryan Tannehill? And I don't think any of us can sit here and say 110% one way or the other. I mean, we've seen flashes of greatness and we've seen things that just kind of made you scratch your head. And you got that, you got that injury concerns. You touched on a little bit about the Dolphins brass saying how they, they viewed as two two separate injuries. And, and that's a little bit concerning. I mean, you got a guy, he's, he's hitting his thirties now. And I mean, a lot of, a lot of quarterbacks, they, they do hit that stride in their thirties, but whether or not you can put all your marbles in on, or all that cash money on Ryan Tannehill, it's hard to say. And if you have a guy like Baker Mayfield, I mean, we know our linebacking court is trash. We've seen what Kiko's done this year. We know that Rayquan McMillan, unfortunately, suffered that injury on special teams. Raquan Smith would be a great get, but if you got a guy like Baker Mayfield, the Heisman Trophy winner, 
I don't care about size concerns. I don't care about any of that stuff. And they're at 11. I mean, I was at that draft last year, and I saw when a guy like Reuben Foster fell to Miami, and I'm sitting there just hoping throughout so many picks that this guy's going to land in Miami's lap, and he does, and the Dolphins pass on him. And I know Charles Harris. He's shown flashes. He's going to be a great defensive end this league. But the Dolphins passed on Reuben Foster, I thought was a surefire talent, and I freaking felt sick to my stomach. So if you're telling me that we're going to be sitting there at 11 and Baker freaking Mayfield's going to fall into our lap and the Dolphins are going to pass on him for a linebacker, as bad as our linebacking core is, I just – I would freaking lose my mind. I mean, I saw Ted Ginn get drafted ahead of Brady Quinn. I've seen so much heartache, as you touched on. We saw Chad Henney drafted. We see his team constantly take these quarterbacks in the late rounds thinking that they can make something themselves. And when they finally took Ryan Tannehill, I mean, I freaking cried. I, I My wife will attest to it. I sat there, and I cried my eyes out because the Dolphins finally got a quarterback. It was the first one that we've drafted since Dan Marino, and I felt great. And, I mean, I know he's rushed into action. But at the end of the day, I mean, we all love Ryan Tannehill. We all think, like we've all said throughout this podcast he has all the intangibles to be that guy but when you see him go down and then you're going to go pay 10 million dollars to freaking jay color to come out of the booth and come out here and lead his team to six wins that is not what i want if you got a guy like baker mayfield there at 11 you run to the freaking podium i don't care about size concerns i don't care about any of that you saw what happened when lincoln riley took the ball out of his hands the freaking sooners went down and they went down bad and that's what it all comes down to Baker Mayfield's a playmaker. There's a couple quarterbacks in this draft that are playmakers, but the Dolphins need to find a way to get one of those guys. And at the end of the day, I think we've talked about it a little bit in our group chat. When Adam Gase came in here. He inherited Ryan Tannehill. So if you want to sit there, we saw Tony Sperano, we saw Joe Phil, and we saw all those guys get extra time for one reason or the next. If Adam Gase wants to do the smart thing, if Mike Tannehill and Chris Greer, they want to do the smart thing, you go out there and you draft a quarterback high. You draft him with the first, second, or third round pick because at the end of the day, Ryan Tannehill isn't your guy. So if you want to buy a little bit more time in this organization, I'm not sure what anyone's going to do as far as Tom Brady and Bill Belichick up there in New England. As as hard as it is for me to say, Ryan Tannehill could be a top 10 quarterback, and this team might still not win the division. I mean, you could have – you could be playing one of the best seasons that we've seen out of Miami Dolphins in 20 years, and they still might not make the playoffs because you got freaking Bill Belichick and New England running shit up in New England. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you go out there, you draft the best player available. If that's a quarterback, you run to the freaking podium because Raquan Smith, yeah, he's one of the best linebacking talents in this draft. But if you can get a guy like Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, who some people are saying might convert to wire here, that's ridiculous to me. I mean, if you can get him, maybe not 11, but if you can find a way to get him in the top of the second round, that's a home run. And at the end of the day, this team needs to draft a quarterback. I see everything on Twitter. People just – everyone, everyone's pro Tannehill. We all have Tannehill jerseys. I wear my throwback Tannehill jersey every week. But at the end of the day, I mean, I, I'm sitting here right next to a Tannehill signed helmet. But at the end of the day, this team needs to draft another quarterback who can compete with him because Brandon Dowdy, David Garrard was about to beat him out until he got hurt in that freaking pool. So at the end of the day, this team needs to draft a quarterback who needs to compete with Tannehill, who needs to take over the reins when he goes down because Matt Moore and Jay Cutler just aren't cutting it. You saw what Pat Mahomes did in Kansas City to Alex Smith, right? Alex Smith played out of his mind when someone back there was competing against him. Ryan Tannehill has not had any legitimate competition since the day he walked into this league. So in your thoughts, do you draft someone like Baker Mayfield there at 11? Or if Roquan Smith is on the board at 11, what do you do? Oh, it's a tough-ass choice, especially this early in the game. 
Now, I, I think we're really having kind of two parallel conversations. Now, if we're talking about what would we do in a vacuum and if Baker Mayfield is on the same level as Roquan Smith on the draft board, then by importance alone, you have to draft Baker Mayfield if he's the best player on your board. And Chris Greer said it in his press conference this morning, if quarterback is that's who you're going to draft. Now, with that being said, this decision will not be made in a vacuum. And I kind of have a, a, a inverse uh, perspective on this in terms of Adam Gase. And when Adam Gase, the crux of his uh, interview with the Dolphins was going to be working with Ryan Tenhill, I find that strange that in year three that you would go back on that and then draft a rookie hoping that that would extend your longevity as the, as the coach of the Miami Dolphins. And I think that would compromise some of the trust between Adam Gates and Ryan Tannehill that Adam Gates has worked so hard to get. Think about how wounded of a puppy Ryan Tannehill was with all the different offensive coordinators he had, all the sacks that he had. You know, people are questioning what he had between his ears and all this kind of stuff, his pocket presence, his deep ball. Of course, he's handled everything stoically, but obviously I think some of that has to trickle into his psyche a little bit. And I think Adam Gase did a good job of helping him stay confident. And, you know, and now he's telling him to let it rip and make adjustments at the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. So I just don't see a first round investment this year. And really all I'll say, and, and you mentioned it a few minutes ago, MC Money is if you want to get an elite quarterback in this league, you either have to be extremely lucky or you have to have like a top three pick. And I don't think we're in position with Tannehill quarterback to get lucky in the draft. I don't see any scenario where we're drafting one or two. And if we have a viable veteran quarterback behind Tannehill, it's just going to keep us in that purgatory situation where we're around – Seven and nine, eight and eight, yada, yada. We're drafting 15, and we're out of the wheelhouse of drafting an elite quarterback. So we have to really suck somehow to get a really good quarterback, in my opinion, if we're going to play the odds. And I just – I don't know how we get there. I don't, I don't know how we get to that spot where we're picking first, second, or third with Ryan Tenhill at quarterback. So this is a really tough one, guys, to be perfectly honest with you. Because I'm, I'm, if we're looking at drafting at 11, I just don't see a blue chip quarterback falling to us. So then we're kind of in that situation where we have to be lucky in who we draft. And we don't want to be in a position where we kind of have to be lucky. And I know we're talking about draft prospects, so there's obvious luck involved in hitting on them. But again, the stats say the early you draft somebody, the better off they're going to be. So... I don't know. I don't know if we can improve the quarterback position from number 11. So I I look, you you mentioned the first two days in the draft, MC Money. I'm going to go ahead and narrow that down to day two at the earliest. Yeah, I think you touched on it most, Sutton. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think Baker Mayfield will be there at 11. I think that's an name that both Kanad and I continue to touch on. I think that's a lot of Dolphins Twitter's kind of hope and praise. I just don't see any chance in hell he falls to 11 if he does and the Dolphins pass on him. That would be a freaking travesty. Um, There's a guy like Lamar Jackson who scouts, I'm doing the air quotations, seem to be 
up in arms about. They kind of seem to be indifferent and not quite sure where he fits in. For me, Lamar Jackson, he's every bit as good as that Sam Darnold and uh, Rosen and the Josh Allens. He, he's every bit as good as them. Whether or not the Dolphins would take him at 11, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he'd fall in that best player available if a guy like Raquan Smith's there. Quentin Nelson, the guard from uh, Notre Dame. I mean, there's all kinds of prospects that the Dolphins can get there at 11. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you got a guy like Baker Mayfield, who I, I know we both continue to say, a lot of Dolphins Twitter continues to harp on him. If he's there at 11 and Dolphins pass on him, uh, that's going to be a, a dark, dark day in Dolphins Twitter because whether or not you think Ryan Tannehill's the guy, whether or not you think quarterback is a position that you need to sit there and draft in the first, second, third or sixth or seventh round at the end of the day Baker Mayfield's one of those talents who in my opinion just do not pass up he's one of those once a generation guys he's one of those top three quarterback talents in this draft and if he falls to 11 which I don't think he does and the Dolphins pass on him I'm going to be very very pissed to be a Dolphins fan that's all I can say what about you Kamara we all remember (laughs) when the Dolphins were on the clock and Brady Quinn was sitting right there and we all, I I remember it clear as day. And Brady Quinn didn't turn out to be a good quarterback. But the story is just phenomenal. I mean, Ted Ginn's still playing in the NFL. Brady Quinn's not. So that's all you need to say about that. But I just remember I was at the, I was coaching Little League Baseball at the time. And I was the president of the Little League. So I was running the Little League. And I'm pulling up to the park. Uh, we had a game later that day that I was going to coach in. But I was, um, you know, just checking on the status of the fields and everything else. And I remember just sitting in my car listening to the draft on ESPN radio. And I'm just sitting there getting ready um, to get outside my car, but I wanted to listen to the Dolphins pick. And finally they got on the clock. And Brady Quinn sitting there on the board. And Brady Quinn had been linked to the Dolphins for many weeks and months leading up to the draft. And everyone thought it was uh, obvious and a done deal that Brady Quinn was going to end up a Miami Dolphin. And that was a time, of course, when Cam Cameron was there, coming off the losing seasons of Dave Wanstead, coming off Nick Saban bolting for Alabama when he passed up on uh, Drew Brees for Dante Culpepper. And we're not going to talk about that because that will drive us all into depression. But the Dolphins needed a quarterback, and we all thought Brady Quinn was the guy. And when Ted Ginn was announced to pick, I remember getting out of my car and throwing my umpire equipment across the parking lot. I was pissed. And a lot of Dolphins fans were pissed. They were booing at the Dolphins draft party. They were booing Cam Cameron at the draft party when he came out and talked to the fans. Cam Cameron did his best to explain that Ted Ginn was a great guy, a great football player, was going to give his all for the Miami Dolphins. And while Ted Ginn had his issues, the dude is thriving with Drew Brees. He thrives with Cam Newton. He played okay in Miami. I mean, it wasn't his fault that he was a first-round pick. Should he have ever been a first-round pick? Probably not. No. Probably should have been about a second or third-round pick. Probably third. But his speed fascinated Cam Cameron, who wanted to bring his high-flying offense to Miami. We all know how that went. And the Dolphins didn't have a quarterback, so we all know how that went. But that just brings us back to this. There's a part of me, House and Sutton, that wants Baker Mayfield to go in the top three picks. That way there is no chance the Dolphins could be there at 11 with him sitting on the board. And you look at what teams have done in the past. 
The Green Bay Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers when Brett Favre still had two to three years left to play football. The New England Patriots are infamous for this. Picking guys when they already have these guys filled on their roster. Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, yeah, they don't get to have him, but they did get a second-round pick in return. The same they spent on him, but a higher second-round pick. But imagine if they were able to work out something with Garoppolo, where he stayed in New England. They protected themselves against Tom Brady. Tom Brady is superhuman. No one expected him to be this great at age 40, but he is. But imagine if if Tom Brady went down last year or he declined suddenly the past two years. Garoppolo would have stepped right in, and the Patriots wouldn't have missed a beat. And you can say, yes, you pick a quarterback in round one, and he's not going to contribute right away. You can't necessarily say that. He might not contribute on the field. But Pat Mahomes contributed. You know how Pat Mahomes contributed? By pushing Alex Smith to be the best that he could possibly be. I'm sure Pat Mahomes contributed in the film room as well. You get a smart quarterback. You get a guy like Baker in Miami at a number 11. You bring that swag to Miami, that confidence. That's that's contagious. And I'm, I used to be a horizontal board guy. And I'm not anymore. This offseason or this past season had changed my mind. Seeing all the injuries, seeing all the regression, not just on the Dolphins, but throughout the NFL. Well, and think about this. Sorry, Dan. Let me interrupt real quick. Yeah, go ahead. And and just think about the NFL game in general. It's small sample sizes. There are 16 games played each year. So you could play 10 years in the NFL, have 160 games on tape, and you've still played less games than a baseball player in one season. So there's – stories change quickly on players. There are very few – elite players in the NFL that always play at a high level. You have some show up some year and then they disappear. And then sometimes they come back and then they disappear again. So the NFL is just a fickle game and it goes back and forth. Yeah. And we we're not afraid to draft other positions and push the other guys there. Why are we afraid to do it at quarterback? I mean, that's, that's why, that's why we're talking the vertical approach now. Cause well, that's what just, says. Yeah. Yeah. There's, so, there's so much volatility though with, with injuries and even just player performance, you cannot bank on certain players to do what they've done before. And unfortunately that's where contracts, some of the contracts that we sign for some of our players looks like it's kind of blowing up in our face a little bit. So, but on the flip side, we've re-signed players that have played really well for us. So those things go back and forth, but the NFL is just such a topsy turvy volatile business that you just need to go with the best player. Absolutely. And, you know, if the Dolphins – you're not going anywhere in the NFL without a good quarterback. You're not. Look at the Texans. Deshaun Watson comes in, lights it up. He gets injured. They fall right back down to earth. The 49ers, you got C.J. Bethume or whatever his last name is, birth name. I, I don't know what his last name is off the top of my head. You got him going in there, and Jimmy Garoppolo comes in and turns that team around. You got – just trying to think off the top of my head here. Um, even if you want to look at the Jets, you know, McCown comes in, good quarterback, and gets them more wins than they should have ever gotten. So if you, if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going anywhere in the NFL. The Dolphins, if they draft a quarterback at 11, now don't reach for one. If he's the best player on your board, 
Don't try to convince yourself that you shouldn't draft a quarterback because that's the worst thing you could do. But you could set yourself up for the next decade. And I'm all for best player available, no matter what position it is. And it's okay to want a quarterback, right? It's okay to want a quarterback. But still be cool with Ryan Tannehill. And I think that's what people are getting messed up on. People are thinking that just because someone wants to draft a quarterback means they've given up on Ryan Tannehill. Absolutely not. It's a smart thing to do to get insurance on Ryan Tannehill. You don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back. You don't know if he's really going to take that next step. You don't know how long he's going to last with those injuries. And you don't know if the fluke injury could ever happen to him. Best player available, regardless of what position it is. Well, and one more thing. Contracts are designed now where even if you sign somebody for five or six years, you can usually get out of it in two. So even if you're going into a situation where a rookie is going to be playing against an elite duo, it might be at mo- he might be at most sitting for two years, and then he's right. going to be right in there as the starter. Presumably being groomed by elite players would be a good thing. So that's still not a, a poor position to be in. And if you're looking at the Dolphins roster, I don't think there's any position where we can say, yeah, we don't need that. No, you're absolutely correct. And how it's, you know, looking at this past season, what do you think is the biggest th- uh, thing that Dolphins coaches learned from the quarterback position and the front office for that matter? Yeah, just let me touch on one thing real quick. How much of this do you think this Ryan Tannehill praise, how much of that do you think has to do with just how mediocre and abysmal this quarterback position has been since Dameron retired? I mean, we had guys like John Beck, Cleo Lemon, Gus Fraud, Joey Harrington. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, this team has not had a quarterback since Dan Marino retired. And then you got a guy like Ryan Tannehill, and he just seems to be this polarizing figure that you got these guys who love him and you got these guys who hate him. I mean, we will never see another Dan Marino in Miami. I'm, I hate to say it, but it could be another decade or so. And at the end of the day, what Ryan Tannehill has done has been a, a hell of a lot better than some of those other guys mentioned. So, Sutton and Kanata, what what do you think? Do you think that the fact that this team has been so plagued by any kind of real talent at the quarterback position, do you think that has a lot to do with this whole Ryan Tannehill debate and the fiasco that just continues to go on each and every week on Twitter? I mean, I, I think Dolphins fans in general about a, a lot of positions <laughs> are pretty, pretty jaded on how we evaluate players because why wouldn't we think the players are going to suck? Usually they suck, and we have a poor record, so – Obviously, we're a little bit more of a critical fan base because we've weathered so much storm over, you know, since, what was it, 1999? When was our – so we had the 1999 playoff appearance. We had the Tony Sperano playoff appearance. And then we had last year. So millennium have we been to the playoffs. So that's not a position you want to be in as a fan base. So really, since we're all – doing hot takes on Twitter and stuff. When you're rolling the dice with the comment about uh, judging a player, it seems more likely to just say that they're going to be bad because it ends up being true for us. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're jaded for sure. Now, with the quarterbacks in general, I mean, we've tried everything. I mean, we really have. We've drafted quarterbacks early. We've drafted second rounders. We've drafted late guys we've brought in veteran free agents we've tried trades and we just have not hit on it and you know Ryan Tannehill that's that's why it's a little bit polarizing because when you have 
Dan Marino always casting a shadow on any quarterback play for the Miami Dolphins. I don't know that that sets up any quarterback um, favorably, obviously, because Dan Marino's the freaking man. He's the GOAT. So when you, when you have that on one side of the continuum and then you have Cleo Lemon on the other side, of, you know, and John Beck and Pat White on the other side of the continuum, Tannehill stands. You're right. I think Dolphins fans in general see one good thing and they jump all over it. Jarvis Landry, for example, and I keep going back and forth with this guy in terms of whether or not the Dolphins should pay him or not. And right now I think I'm on the line of let him walk because I, I do think he might be a problem in the locker room. I think Kenny Stills alluded to that a little bit. I also think Mike Pouncey alluded to that a little bit. And then, of course, Adam Gase and Mike Tannenbaum in their press conference on Wednesday. Um, but Dolphins fans fall in love with Jarvis because, like Sutton said, we've seen so many bad players come through here. And we attach on to the one we think is great. But does has Jarvis Landry done anything great for Miami in terms of moving the offense, in terms of getting it better, in terms of taking the offense to the next level? And when you really look at it that way, the answer is no. Great player, great talent. Does he move the needle? Not much. When you got a guy like Ryan Tannehill, actually competent at the quarterback position, I think Dolphins fans put him on a pedestal a little bit and don't really realize what else could be out there and are afraid to take that chance. And yeah, change is hard, but humans are meant to adapt. And if the Dolphins got another quarterback, Dolphins fans will learn to adapt. Now, what you don't want is to draft somebody and trade Ryan Tannehill in the draft because you think you got your guy. And that guy's worse than Tannehill because then the Dolphins fan base turns on you and you're out the door in a year or two if you're Adam Gase and Chris Greer and Mike Tannenbaum. So you got to be very careful about that. And they might be afraid of that too. They might be afraid of drafting somebody, signing somebody, probably drafting someone more so than signing somebody. They might be afraid to take that person and move on from Tannehill in a year or two. And that guy turns out worse than Tannehill was. Very, very high-pressure business. How's your thoughts? For me, I mean, at the end of the day, you just got to go with your gut. And, I mean, this team, they really can't fear what could happen after Tannehill. You just got to kind of go with the the present and what's going to happen next season. We all know Ryan Tannehill's a starter. We all know this team needs to bring some sort of competition or some sort of backup plan because guys like Jay Cutler, David Fales, Matt Moore, Brandon Dowdy, those guys, they just aren't cutting. And at the end of the day, as soon as Tannehill went down, all for lost. And, I mean, we all sat there on Twitter. We all we all sat there and felt the pain each and every week when this team lost and when the highs when this team won. But at the end of the day, this team didn't stand a chance in hell of beating the Patriots or any of those AFC teams this season as it, it seemed to turn out because at the end of the day, we had freaking Jay Cutler making $10 million. He was our quarterback. He went out there. He had some good games where he threw for 300 yards, three touchdowns, I think, against the Raiders, lit them up. But then he come back and he throw just as many interceptions. And at the end of the day, I mean, and another another example was that New England game where the Dolphins went out there in their throwbacks and they looked like a freaking playoff contender. Then the very next week with the Bills, with their season, not so much on the line, but with implications that could sway their playoff hopes. And they just laid a freaking egg. So, I mean – 
you, you just can't keep going in there and just hoping that Ryan Tannehill's the guy because at the end of the day, he may be the guy when he's healthy, but that knee, that knee took a, a blow in freaking OTAs when no one even came close to touching him. And, and that's something that we should all fear. That's something this front office should fear. They should go out there and they should find a suitable replacement because 30-year-old Ryan Tannehill is coming off of what they believe is two injuries. And I personally, as a fan, don't want to see this team turn into a six-win six team just because our quarterback goes down. I mean, we've all said it. Everyone on Twitter said it. This, There's not many teams in the NFL that can bounce back from their starting quarterback going down. But when you sit there and you completely avoid that position since Ryan Tannehill has been drafted, that just seems foolish to me, especially when the resources are there. You don't have to draft one in the first round this year. But best player available is there. I feel like you got to go that way. And I, I know you said it a little bit. I'm not going to get into this Jarvis Landry conversation. At the end of the day, in my opinion, if it came down to Ryan Taylor and Jarvis Landry, I, I would have to flip a coin because the type of passion and emotion that Jarvis Landry shows on the field, I mean, I know we all thought that was dumb when he scored a touchdown. He broke that freaking Dolphin single-season record. And then he goes up and headbutts a, a Buffalo Bills player. But that's the kind of passion and emotion I want to see from the other 53 men on the roster. Maybe it was stupid. Sure, maybe the Dolphins aren't quite certain what they're going to pay Jarvis Landry, which, I mean, completely makes sense. I mean, if this guy wants to go out there and make $14, 15000000 million a season, that's something you got to weigh. you got to look at the salary cap and decide whether he's that guy. But Jarvis Landry is one of those talents that you just don't pass on. I, I know he's had his ups and downs. Some people say he's a glorified slot receiver. I think we saw this season that he could score touchdowns. For me, I, I'd resign Jarvis Landry, but that's a whole different discussion. At the end of the day, Ryan Tano, Jarvis Landry, that's the way I want to see this Miami Dolphins team moving forward, go out and draft a quarterback. I get you on the passion, and maybe we have a whole show on Jarvis Landry, too. He's yeah. just as polarizing as Ryan Tannehill is. But, you know, the fact of the matter is we've been going for almost an hour on this now, and we've been kind of weighing the pros and the cons and what we would do and what the future holds. It's easy for us to sit back in our chairs behind our computer screens and say we do this because it's not our lives and jobs and professions on the line. Like I said, if you're sitting in that draft room and you're Chris Greer, if you're Mike Tannenbaum, if you're Adam Gase, if you're anyone in that room besides Stephen Ross and Tom Garfinkel and maybe the public relations guy Jason Jenkins, but if you're in that room and that pick comes up at 11 and you got Baker Mayfield and Roquan Smith on the board, that is one hell of a decision to make. And I tell you, I wouldn't want to be any of those guys making that decision because that decision, more likely than not, will be with them for the rest of their career and could seal their fate in Miami for the negative. They take Baker Mayfield, and he's a bust, and Roquan goes to become an all-pro player in the first few years of his career, or vice versa. If If they take Roquan and he's a bust, and Baker Mayfield goes to light it up, and Ryan Tannehill struggles, man, that is tough as hell to figure out what to do. All right, at this time, we're going to do a rapid-fire Finsider Radio mailbag. We have a lot of questions on the site and on Twitter. We've had a great conversation about quarterbacks and Ryan Tannehill. So to move things along and get back to that discussion, I'm just going to run all through these myself, Sun and Houts, and then we'll play a little game to wrap up the show. All right, so here we go. Francesco Pergolini asks, franchise Landry or not, and if franchise, which is an acceptable draft pick, 
to trade him. Uh, we just kind of had that discussion a little while ago, Francesco. And, you know, I, I don't know. The Dolphins have gone back and forth on it. I've been told they're at 50-50 chance now that he comes back. Uh, the outburst, the last game against the Bills, will play into this situation. So we'll see where they go from here. Acceptable draft pick. Remember, he was drafted in the second round. He's one of the top wide receivers in the league, at least as far as the numbers say. You would probably want a first-round pick for him or second-round pick at the very minimum. All right, next up on the mailbag, Fly747 asks, well, he states that Kenyon Drake is very exciting to watch, but he doesn't know if he can always carry the load. Ideally, you want someone to do that, and University of Georgia running back Sony Michelle is the perfect fit. Calls Michelle more of an attack dog mentality, doesn't bounce as much, and wonders if Miami should go after Michelle. Well, Fly747, Damien Williams said he wants to be back in Miami. We'll see how that plays out. You got Kenyon Drake, you got Damian Williams. That could be the Dolphins' one-two punch. But I can also see the Dolphins adding a running back in the uh, second or third day of the draft. You see Adam Gase, I feel like his system helps running backs no matter who you are. I don't think they need to spend a top pick on a running back. Sonny Michelle is uh, talking maybe third, fourth round, possibly second round if he moves up during the next few months. We'll see how that plays out, but... I would love him on the Dolphins, but I just don't know if that's going to be what Adam Gase wants as well. CJ Fitz 19 asks, hypothetical question. Looking for new coordinators, someone to help with track record of success to help Gase become the great coach that we know. His dream DC would be Jim Schwartz or Del Rio permitted they don't want a head coaching gig. And to him, that would be shooting for the stars. Also, OC would be Gary Kubiak. Well, Gary Kubiak is in the personnel department in Denver. He just got a nice little bump in title and promotion and raise. Uh, So he's going to be expanding that there in Denver. He's not coming back to the sidelines. He's going to be staying in the front office. Uh, Jim Schwartz, he's being considered for the Giants job, head coaching, possibly some other places. Uh, They're not going to move him from Philadelphia. They're not going to block that. You can't do lateral moves without permission from your team. Del Rio is a possibility. We'll see what's going on there. But usually coaches come in. Uh, usually after they take a year off or so and then try to get back in. And the other thing with Del Rio is he's getting fired with guaranteed money on his contract. Of course, all coaches do, but he's getting fired with money still remaining. He could come in as a consultant, which would allow him to get paid by Oakland and also Miami as well. Mike Hawk asks, uh, I hate that name. (laughs) He asks, what are our options for free agent guards? I haven't really dived into free agency yet. Uh, We'll kind of come back to that as we move forward there. John Mann asks, what do we do about the on-field discipline problem the Dolphins clearly have this year? That starts with the coaches. That starts up top. More attention to detail in the meeting rooms, where I think we'll see a lot of staffing changes over the next few days and weeks to come. A stiff nut rag. Oh, my God. Why do I say this stuff out loud? Asks, with Dowell, with Dowell Loggins being hired as OC and Clyde transitioning to another role, what happens with QB coach Bo Hardigree? You know, I was looking at that earlier, and I'm not really sure what's going to happen with Bo Hardigree. I think Adam Gase is happy with him, uh, but we will see kind of how that shakes out. I, I would have to bet that I think Hardigree is safe, but you never really know for sure because we don't always know exactly what goes on behind the scenes. All right, let's jump over to Twitter. And on Twitter, JT Seymour asks, it seems our recent second-round picks have been strong. The ballot still on McMillan. What do you think the most likely route for the second-round pick is? What have your fantasy drafts said? Thanks as always. JT, um, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's a lot of movement still to happen. A lot of guys declaring for the draft. A lot of 
things to be worked out here, a lot of head coaches to be named in the NFL, and that's all going to play a role in what happens with the draft. So ask us that question again as we move into February, as we move into the end of February, and I think we'll be able to have a better idea for you then. Rob Carruth asks, one name one change that you're confident we'll see when all is said and done this offseason. Rob, that is assistant coach changes. I think we'll see a lot of turnover there for the Miami Dolphins. It was clear that Adam Gates was not happy with the staff, and we'll see some moves that are made in the next week or so. Rob Carruth also asks, from last week where we didn't have the show due to the Christmas holiday, what will be the toughest personnel decision for the team this offseason? I think that's going to be what to do with Cameron Wake, how to insure themselves against Ryan Tannehill, which we've been talking about today on this show. And also, I think, what to do at the offensive line position. Do you continue to try to piece it together, or do you really invest some money into it? And that also plays into Mike Pouncey. All right, that's going to be it for the questions this week. Rapid fire. Uh, Hope we got to every one of them. If we didn't, post them again for next week, and then we'll get to them as well. Let's do this to wrap up the show. Little fun thing here to get off the serious conversation of our boy Ryan Tannehill. I'm going to give you guys each a quarterback, and you tell me if you'd rather have that quarterback or Ryan Tannehill. All right, Sutton, let's start with you. Jameis Winston or Ryan Tannehill? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to make a selfish decision here. I'm going with Tannehill. I just. I'm just not a big Jameis fan. I don't know. It's just I, – I, I honestly haven't watched his game tape that much. Um, so I, I would really just be scratching the surface of the box scores and stuff like that. Didn't seem like they had much working in Tampa Bay this year. He has the wide receivers. You know, they specifically kept Dirk Cutter to help maintain the consistency of that offense and – you know, they brought in O.J. Howard in the draft and just nothing materialized there. So I'm just not buying Jameis Winston right now. I'm going with someone who has more consistency. I know it's weird to say, but Tannehill's been more consistent than Jameis Winston, so I'm staying with Tannehill. All right. How it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Ryan Tannehill? Yeah, this might get me uh, – I might lose several followers for this. I'm, I might be <laughs> – cast aside by Dolphins Twitter, but what Jimmy Garoppolo has done with that shitty San Francisco team, that offense, it just seems like he is an elite quarterback. We've touched on that word. We said that several times throughout this podcast. I mean, five games and what he did in New England is a small sample size, but he looks to be the, the real deal. And I mean, you've got to take into account the age. He has none of that injury concern that Ryan Tannehill has. I mean, if, if, if it was an option and you were telling me that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't going to get re-signed to San Francisco, I would severely consider trading Ryan Tannehill, cutting him, doing whatever it takes to throw the bank at Jimmy Garoppolo. Because based on what I've seen, he's the real deal. And New England, I mean, it, Tom Brady's time is eventually going to come to an end, and they're definitely going to regret letting him walk and, and go to San Francisco because he, he's a legit quarterback. I completely agree with you. I would take Jimmy Garoppolo too. All right, and I'm going to take myself, Andrew Luck or Ryan Tannehill. And we're doing guys in their current state, and I think Andrew Luck, I think he was a little overhyped coming out of college. He played well. Uh, He made guys around him better. But I I would still, I I would still honestly, uh, no bias here. I've never been a huge fan of Andrew Luck. I would take Ryan Tannehill over Andrew Luck. I just think Ryan Tannehill 
is more consistent. Um, you know what you're getting with Tannehill. You know, you don't always know what you're getting with Luck. Luck makes some bonehead moves sometimes, and you got Luck's shoulder. And, and who knows how long Luck is going to survive in the NFL? Much longer. And who knows where his head is really at in terms of um, mentally. And Jim Ursay, the Colts owner, kind of alluded to something like that earlier this season. All right, let's finish up the last round of this. Sutton, Kirk Cousins or Ryan Tannehill? Ooh. I'd say this is the biggest 50-50 coin flip for me. I like Tannehill's arm a little bit better. Uh, I happen to like cousin's youth a little bit better i mean he's just young, younger guy and um has had some success in this league and i because of the youth factor has a few few years of more football in him i i think i'd tentatively go with cousin kirk cousins there all right Houts, marcus Mariota or ryan Tannehill? damn i was hoping to come back to me with that cousins question but marcus Mariota or ryan Tannehill? I love you, Ryan Tannehill. I know Marcus Mariota hasn't quite lived up to that hype. I mean, we touched on a guy like Jameis Winston who came out in the draft with him. I'd take Marcus Mariota over Winston, and I'd probably take him over Tannehill. Just the okay. things he does is in that read option. I know he hasn't quite lived up to that potential that he's had, but you got the youth there, like Sutton said. Uh, give me Mariota. All right, just for Ha-Ha's house, Kirk Cousins or Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I think it would come down to me with that paycheck. I mean, Kirk Cousins is going to make a freaking fortune. I like what he does in the past game, but ultimately it's going to come down to that money. And if you're going from a skill set, I'm going to take – I'd probably flip a coin because those guys – I mean, I like what Kirk Cousins has done lately, but I don't see that much more out of Cousins than I do out of Ryan Tannehill when he's healthy and in that first year with Adam Gase. And then it comes down to cash money, and Kirk Cousins, he wants to be paid – handsomely, and I think I take Ryan Tannehill over Cousins. Okay. And I'm going to give myself Derek Carver's Ryan Tannehill. And yeah. this almost happened. This happened with the Dolphins facilities when Joe Philbin wanted to draft Derek Carr, but told the guys too late. Um, this is a tough one. When I was looking through the list just now to figure out who would I give you guys and who would I give myself, I was trying to find a good comparison in terms of making it tough on myself. I didn't want to go someone like Deshaun Watson, who I knew I would take over Ryan Tannehill. I don't want to give myself someone like Cam Newton, who I knew I would take over Ryan Tannehill. Uh, um, I, I honestly think I would take Derek Carr. I, I do. I, I think Derek Carr has the passion. He has the fire. He has the leadership qualities that you're looking for. And not that Ryan Tannehill doesn't, but we don't know that he doesn't. He doesn't show them outwardly. Um, Derek Carr does. And, yes, he had an off year but I attribute that to the coaching staff there in Oakland. I think everyone had an off year in Oakland. So, yeah, I would take – damn, I just turned on Ryan Tannehill twice in the past five minutes. I'm sorry, Ryan. I'm very sorry. But all of this just goes to show, guys, I mean, we were kind of split 50-50 down the line there overall on who we would take over Ryan Tannehill. It just goes to show that there are other options out there, right? And we can't be afraid – to explore. We can't be afraid to look. People are afraid of change. Yes, I get it. But there are other options out there. There are everyone. Everyone is replaceable. Even Bill Belichick is replaceable. It's just finding the right guy to replace Bill Belichick. There's another Belichick out there somewhere. You got to find him. 
But if you don't look, you're not going to find them. Ron Wolf, famous GM, drafted a quarterback in every draft. Wasn't always day one or two. Back then, it was just one day, sometimes two days in the later years of his career. But he always drafted a quarterback in the later rounds, sometimes in the early rounds. And he kept drafting and drafting and drafting because he said, you got to. You got to always protect yourself. You always got to try to find that gem and that diamond in the rough. And you do enough of it, you're going to find somebody. And I think the Dolphins should do that every single year because there are other options out there. There are players better than Ryan Tannehill. And you can't be afraid to explore. Ryan's not going to know that you're cheating on him. Trust me. All right. Any last words, Sutton and Houts, about our boy Ryan Tannehill? Nah, I love him to death. I'm going to root for him till I'm blue in the face, uh, like I will for any Dolphins quarterback. And just, just hope that he's able to come back healthy, that he's the same Ryan Tannehill that we've seen on tape, uh, that there's going to be no limit, no physical limitations going forward. And then we'll, we'll, we'll see what pieces are added because certainly the offense will be addressed. But I happen to be maybe one of the contrarians in saying that I think we need to go uh, defense and get that to an elite unit. I think that's the path to least resistance to keep us in more games and to win more games is to go ahead and develop that defense into an elite unit. How about you? Yeah, I think we can all agree Ryan Tannehill's our guy. I think we all have that spot in our heart for him. But at the end of the day, this team needs to continue to move forward. They need to think about what may happen if that Achilles doesn't quite live up to to the stem cells and the surgeries and the different things that it's done. I mean, if Ryan Tannehill is never the same, we're, we have what? Ryan, uh, we have Matt Moore or David Fales. I mean, this team needs to go out there. They need to draft a quarterback. They need to take precaution if Ryan Tannehill isn't the same. But at the end of the day, I'll be rooting 110% for Ryan Tannehill. I agree with Sutton. This defense is what could tip the things in the AFC East and maybe make Miami a legit contender. But it's all going to rest on Ryan Tannehill's shoulders and what he does in that. I guess this would be his third year under Adam Gase next season. So I'm all I'm all for Ryan Tannehill having another breakout year, comeback player of the year. But this team needs to do something at the quarterback position because Brand Dowdy is the only quarterback this team's drafted since Tannehill's, <laughs> Tannehill's been drafted, and that's just that just isn't cutting it. Yeah, and it kind of maybe sounded like I was bashing Ryan Tannehill throughout this show today. Um, and this week, but I, I'm not. I'm, I'm a fan of Ryan Tannehill. I'm Team Tannehill. I believe in him, but I also believe in doing the smart thing and being realistic and protecting yourself for the future. And you just have to do it. You have to do it. If there is someone out there that's the best player on the board and he's a quarterback, you have to take that guy. You can't worry about anything else because the NFL is a brutal and crazy sport and very unpredictable. All right. We wrapped up this week with the uh, Ryan Tannehill show. Yes, the offseason is in full swing, and it's going to be a little quiet as we move through the Super Bowl and through the coming weeks into free agency. It'll pick up then, and then it'll quiet down until the draft. Then it'll quiet down a lot more until training camp and OTAs start before that. So we hope you enjoyed this discussion on Ryan Tannehill. We hope you came away with a few new ideas, a few new perspectives on him, and the overall future of how to build a team, in our opinion, the right way. For Haltua and certain the creepy soccer that I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Insider Radio. We'll talk to you next time. We're in the air, we're on.
underground. We're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number one. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 